Naomi Dewar, a city council ward yeah. two. What what a pleasure of a person you are. Wow. It's nice to spend a few minutes hearing a person with wisdom, uh, hearing a person who has good, balanced things to say because things in the world can go so far one way or the other. And it's nice when somebody steps in to say, let's remember relationship a little bit. Yeah. Uh, welcome. Well, thank you, Brand. It's super cool to be here um, in this special format where we just get to talk. Yeah. And we get to learn a little bit about each other and get some messages out there to the community. Um, so let me ask you, what would you like to talk about? Well, I guess the first thing I'll tell you is I want to excuse myself the sunglasses. People probably will wonder why that is. It's partially to do with the lighting in here, but I, I lost vision in one eye okay. years ago. And I get sort of these tremendous ocular migraines that will occur when drastic changes in light and shadow begin to occur. And they're just, okay. they're pretty brutal. So I, I go Ray Charles for these interviews. Okay, that's cool. Uh, and so I'll start there. But, but do I understand that you're a geologist? Yes, I am. So um, I actually went to the Mackey School of Mines here at UNR. Uh, graduated way back in 1979, which probably uh, some of your listeners weren't even born then. Um, and then I went on to get a graduate degree. And uh, it actually, I kind of shifted a little bit from straight up geology to uh, public administration and public policy. So I could use my knowledge of science mm -hmm. and natural mm -hmm. resources and really focus on how do we manage those things better. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, I actually got an internship over with Congress on the mines wow. and mining subcommittee but my original pure love was water uh -huh. and that's been most of my career so i have had kind of a dual career um, by day uh, most of my career i've been a government scientist managing water uh, mm. for example i was a state water planner for nevada and i the read water plan. in your bio that you yeah. wrote the, the the plan for the entire state and yeah we never had one before that that well we had one but it was 25 years old 25 years old and mm -hmm. so i was way out of date and i didn't do it by myself of course i mean to do something like that takes an incredible team sure. which i did have but um by night or on the weekends i uh, ran a business with my husband which i still do today huh. and uh, we're in the mineral exploration business so that's we, cool we look for all kind of minerals gold silver copper primarily and we work in about six states in the U.S. Wow. Um, the other interesting thing about it is that virtually all our clients uh -huh. are um, international. Wow. So they hire us from New Zealand, Australia, South America, Canada, England to, um, to either look for properties for them or uh -huh. if we already have a property, they are interested in either leasing or buying it. And often then they will hire us back to project manage it, look for the gold, look for the silver, hire yeah, the driller, sure. do the sampling, do the mapping. So Wow, that's quite an operation. Yeah, you said that I was expecting like somebody was putting flowers together in a bouquet and sending them off. That's not a small operation you're now, talking about. This uh, What we do, mineral exploration, is actually called R&D, so research and development. Mm -hmm. uh, we are looking for the stuff that people want to mine. We're that's not right. actually in the mining business. If someone is interested in the property, they'll lease it from us, and then um, they'll have to invest a lot of money to discover what is on that property. How fascinating at a soul level that you have found a way to continue exploration. Correct. Because you're, you're exploring 
I mean, that's that's amazing. It, everything seems explored on Earth sometimes. It, it feels does, like I right? I could just go anywhere. So. It does, right? So you're hitting on, though, an important key. Um, there's some key principles in geology. One of them is the uh, past is the key to the future. So mm. things that have mm-hmm. happened in the mm-hmm. past, and I'll use something like an earthquake, a volcano, a slump, uh, weather patterns, um, you know, cataclysmic events are going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. Like what has happened continues to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is that things are not continuous. Like they don't just sort of go in Mm -hmm. a regular pattern. Often Mm -hmm. it's what we learn is it's cataclysmic. You know, we have an earthquake and something happens. Mm. There's a volcano. Um, There'll come a hurricane. sort of a process of happening for however long after that. Correct, correct. But it's not like we just go along with sunny days and uh, life happens. These geologic processes happen through time. So um, I kind of live my life like that. I know that what's happened in the past is likely to happen in the future. That's pretty cool. Uh, Whether it's human relationships, whether it's geologic events, uh, whether it's uh, even stock market cycles, you know, uh-huh. what goes up must come down uh-huh. and what goes down usually comes back up. I couldn't agree more. I I sometimes, well, actually to my detriment, I sometimes pontificate about it, but I sometimes talk about how the scope of human relationship and, and the functionality of, of that is directly mirrored in the science of, of nature down to the atomic level. If I think about my own wife as a proton and myself as a neutron, and we came together to, to, to create this little nucleus, the electrons on the outside to me represent, you know, grandma and, and the friends and the best man and this. And, and then you start to figure out what kind of atom you are. And those, those friends bond with others and you got a molecule and suddenly you have a community. And, and it's pretty fascinating to put that to, to geology like that. That was pretty cool to hear. It really is. And, um, you know, to many people, they maybe learned a little bit about earth science back in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's about what they know. And it all seems very foreign. And I will tell you that there are, is a lot of terminology, mm. just like with any field. All the rocks have names. All the minerals have names. The processes have names. Some of the names are in other languages because that's where they were first observed in France mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Germany or wherever. So you end up learning an entire lingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that my husband learned on the job. So he started out with... Um, Jobs such as uh, timber cruising. Uh-huh. Uh, that's identifying trees that need to be cut. He was a dairy farmer. He was a surveyor. Uh-huh. He did real basic, close-to-the-earth type jobs. And eventually, he migrated to geology, but still, he didn't have a degree for yeah. a long time. <laughs> he didn't go back and get a degree till he was in his 50s. Wow. By, by then, he had read um, thousands of books on geology. In fact, today... Uh, I thought we had about 15,000 books on geology. He says now 20,000. We're both incredible readers. So I think the point there, um, he decided to become an official geologist, like go to school, get the degree. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Part of it is respect from your peers. Sure. Part of it is actually learning new things. And the thing about geology is it's always changing. The stuff I learned in the 80s, 70s and 80s about how plate tectonics work, Uh how how, um, the earth formed, 
uh, what kind of cycles it went through. By the time he was going to college in the 2000 time period, they mm-hmm. had changed a lot of those theories already. Sure. Uh, they had something I'd never heard of, snowball earth. Huh. They had um, theories about earth being encased in snow and ice and just hurtling through space, all the water frozen. Um, I mean, these are wow. things I did not learn, you know, back in the 70s, that they had, through analysis, learned more stuff about our and so geography and So it's kind of the technology geology. and things that allow us to change. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. so he learned the cutting-edge technology, so I'm really glad he went back to school at the time he did. Yeah, sure. And uh, we both went on to get our PG, which is a professional geology certification, rather like a PE for an engineer as a okay. professional engineer mm-hmm. or an MD. I mean, you could go all the way through yeah. medical school and do everything, but in order order to get awarded your degree you know you have to pass certain milestones take tests prove yourself very cool very cool uh you know i one of the things that i really enjoyed hearing in that was you set a tone for your husband to be able to to come into your world naturally because he'd already sort of learned it (laughs) i mean it's kind of cool right to come in you've got somebody who wrote a prolific plan uh, for the state that that you have a natural interest that develops together. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, it is pretty awesome. And the way we met is really interesting. I'm not going to cover it here today on this show. But um, we're so many people have said that it's fascinating how we even met um, that we we've toyed with writing a book about it. And I think he's three chapters in it's it's kind of a um, his perspective. And Mm -hmm. then the next Mm -hmm. chapter is my perspective on an incident or what happened next and so it's kind of like watching a movie from two different point of views Mm -hmm. and rerunning the script so we'll see if that ever becomes anything but it's fun to do anyway just on the side yeah that's cool well i definitely enjoy that and you know i know time is limited today and so i want to give you a chance to sort of jump out of that and to maybe just go into something you may want to tell us about that's going on with well, city council it's kind of a yeah i want there's ever changing there's so much on my mind so first of all we're living in the time of covid mm. and covid has affected us in so many ways when we began this interview we're both wearing masks we have hand sanitizer mm. everywhere we're sitting you know, more than six feet apart. Um, it's important for people to know how not to get sick and mm-hmm. keep their health. Mm. Um, I had the unfortunate um, experience of losing my mom this year, uh, end of February. Um, it wasn't termed COVID, but COVID was hitting our country then. Mm. Um, she was doing fine, and then she took a dive. And looking back, we should have had her get tested for COVID, to be honest with you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um so many people have had that kind of experience in the last six to eight months, mm-hmm. lost a loved one, uh, a mate. I was a little shocked to lose a friend from high school. There you go. Uh, that was that was kind of shocking because he's definitely a pre-existing condition guy. I think he had a, a pretty extreme case of diabetes, but uh, it still is sort of like a rocker. The, the, the guy's only two years older than me. I haven't even broken 40 yet. Uh, you know, it's 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 uncomfortable when you just don't know how it's going to hit who because i i got another friend that said ah yeah no big deal and i walked away it's interesting because people might make it complicated by giving their personal stories well you know and also it seems that as this goes on they're learning a heck of a lot about this disease Mm. and why it takes hold in some people and why it doesn't in others and there's a theory oh the young kids don't get it but they do get it and they do die. And mm. they develop that special disease, that multi, um, multi-syndrome multi disease where mm. there's many things going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, 
There are people, what I really think is that there are probably people in our community and my family the same. I'll give an example with my own mom. So my grandmother lived to 104. Oh, wow. I had high expectations for how long my mom was going to live and how long I'm going to (laughs) live. But, you know, her number came up at 88. Uh, Did she have pre-existing condition? Of course. I mean, we're all aging. She had arthritis. You know, she had basic stuff wrong with her. I mean, we all do. Uh, Every single person does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the rare person that's in perfect prime health until they die. Maybe my grandmother was one of those people, but she still had some challenges, you know, heart or whatever. But, you know, what happens is this disease comes in and it takes hold. And they're saying it it, it really attacks organs. Mm as much as respiratory. Mm. And so if you have impaired organs, you know, you may be very susceptible to it. If you have not perfect health, uh, maybe you are living and you don't really think there's anything wrong with you, but you're a little overweight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or maybe, um, you know, maybe you just pointed out you have diabetes. Some Mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. live with easily and live a long life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have diabetes in my family. Mm -hmm. My brothers are being incredibly careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. My father had it. Uh, he did die early, 75, mm-hmm. but it wasn't 65. I definitely think that it's uh, it's going to look a lot like geology, where the theory in the 70s looks a lot in the, in it, different than the 2020s. Such a good point. Uh, you know, it's going to continue to evolve, and, yeah. and it's sort of gradients, right? You go from a gradient where you're really, really heavy duty with every extreme precaution you can be, and, and over here on the other side is like, okay, we're all just officially living with it. And yeah. and I don't really, it's so hard to have a sense of where we are on that gradient because there's some days where it feels like we're way back here. And some days I'm kind of like, this feels like an over here kind of day. Yeah. Do you have anything that, that enlightens us maybe a little on how it attacks? You well, mentioned how it attacks. I don't know as much and, and you should probably interview a doctor for that. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> what I have done is I've worked with some doctors and come up with something called the COVID risk meter. Okay. So we have just... Uh, brought that forward in the last couple of weeks to our region. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. a lot of people here were getting tired of in the, in the Reno Sparks area, Truckee Meadows, was that we were being judged by what was happening in Southern Nevada. Mm. And the mm-hmm. governor has to make rules for the whole state. Yeah. He doesn't usually say, you do this and you do that. Yeah. They're not very, it's not very easy to, especially uh, in the legislature, they make rules that cover everyone. They don't mm-hmm. just say... Mm-hmm. Here. Now, they, they have over years, they've said, here's a special rule for Las Vegas, and they usually do it by population. Mm-hmm. You know, counties over this size have a different rule than the whole rest of Nevada. Mm-hmm. But what we wanted to do is really understand, well, what is our risk here? Uh, what are our positivity issues here? You know, are a lot of people getting it? Are there a lot of transmission going on? What are our hospitals like here? You know, some hospital systems have gotten overloaded. Ours are doing pretty well. So what we did was I got with several doctors, um, a PhD planner who's great at data analysis, a person from the health district, and we got together and we started noodling with the data and saying, what are what seems to be driving this thing? Mm. And we came up with five parameters, and mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. things like, we mentioned hospitals, so just take your hospital in general. Does the hospital have empty beds or not? Mm. Is equipment being used or not? Mm-hmm. Now, how about take that same hospital? What about the degree of COVID in that hospital? Mm-hmm. Is is the reason maybe their beds are full because of COVID or nothing to do with COVID? Mm-hmm. So those are two different parameters. Mm-hmm. Then we looked at um, cases per 100,000. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So this is something where they call normalize, or it's a way to compare our state with like a much more populous state. Mm. Um, and so you look at that. And then you look at po- test positivity. For all the people that we test, how many are coming back positive? Mm. Yeah, yeah, the percentage rate. Mm-hmm. Correct. And then it, finally. It is, a, it is a big difference there when you test 1,000 people and 55 have it. And then you test 2,000 people and 58 have it. Correct. Right? You've hit it on the head. Yeah. So the more you test, the better understanding you have of the percent of population that actually have it. Mm-hmm. If you only test a few people like we were doing in the beginning, and who's coming in for those tests? Well, mm-hmm. mostly people that are feeling sick. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're already feeling sick and you're going in for a test, there's a pretty good chance that you could have COVID. Yeah, yeah. But you test people that are not feeling sick, even though they might have COVID, or you test all your police officers or all your firefighters or all your prison population, whether or not they're sick, feeling sick or not. And you start getting a much better handle on how prevalent is COVID in your community. And in fact, that's what the health district's been doing. They have something called a zero prevalence test. Mm. So what they're trying to do is they did a whole test, randomized. They sent messages and they tested about 5,000 people in our community. Mm-hmm. You had to get a letter. Like, I really wanted to be in this, but you had to get a letter. <laughs> and you had to get the letter and get tested. And the idea is it's random. Mm. And the idea is if you had antibodies, then they could say, okay, of these 5,000 people, random, you know, maybe a hundred had COVID Mm -hmm. and they come up with a percentage and they can say that's how prevalent it is in the community. Mm -hmm. Well, um, now they're doing a second phase. Mm -hmm. And so they've just sent out a bunch more letters and they're, they're further kind of honing in on this. Well, think about your test centers. It's not done like that. You pick you, maybe your employer picks you to go get a test. It's not random right? Mm -hmm. Either you're feeling sick or maybe you came in contact with someone who was sick or maybe you later found out through contact tracing that you were in contact with someone who was sick. It's it's not random. Mm -hmm. You're going in for purpose, with a purpose. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're going on a trip. I have a person, a friend of mine, she wants to go to a country. They said you have to have two negative tests within 72 hours of getting on the plane. Well, that's not random. She wants to go somewhere. She's going in for a test. So the test positivity is not, it's really driven by who's going. Yeah. And so we said, well, we could use that number, but maybe better because tests were really limited. We said maybe it would be better to just see who's calling for a test. Mm. They might be able to get a test right away, or they might be putting on a schedule for five days from now or 10 days from now, depending on the backup. Mm-hmm. Let's go with who's coming, who's calling mm-hmm. and why are they calling? So we use that. And now we're starting to think now that tests are more, more available okay uh renown has set up where you can they have five thousand tests a day they can do it's Mm -hmm. incredible Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. we used to be in our community less than 200 a day wow so now they just have out of one institution five thousand so we may not look at that but anyway we took all these factors that i've just laid out for you sure we added them all up and we said at the end of the day on one hand you got people coming in for tests on the other hand you got people getting sick and on the other hand you got people in the hospital, and then all the way to dying. Mm -hmm. And we said, well, if you're dead, that doesn't really help us know what to do three weeks ago. So we took out those things, and we Uh took these five things, and we made a little meter. And right now today, the meter's in yellow or moderate, 
And it's actually gone down from orange just a few weeks ago. Excellent. And so we're excited because the meter's moving. In July, we back calculated in July, it would have been a red around July 4th. Mm -hmm. July 4th was a bad time in our community. People were finally coming together. They were getting out. They Mm -hmm. wanted to celebrate. They wanted to be with people. And as a result, a couple weeks later, a lot of people got sick. Mm -hmm. And so we thought we were in the red. And so this is a, it's a tool to guide individual behavior. So Mm -hmm. when you said, what can we do? Um, we've got this now. It's um, covidmeter.org. Covidmeter.org. Yep. And yep. let me just make sure because it might be covidriskmeter.org, and I better I better be proper here. Yeah, yeah. Covid yeah. risk meter. Yeah. Let's just check it out. So this is a really cool thing here, and yeah. and it's designed for the individual to sort of be able to gauge what their own community looks like. Yeah, uh, it's really about them. Yeah, that's it's about cool. them. And and like if it's in the red, do you really want to be going to that Fourth of July party? Yeah. Even if you are wearing the mask. I didn't like going to Fourth of July parties long before COVID. Yeah. You know, I I tend to just sit on my roof and find where where they're shooting off from. <laughs> but you know something yeah. I will say, I, I I'm not sure how much you have to do with this. But just in case, I'm going to say thank you for the way that the fireworks display in South Reno. Uh, because probably one of the greatest charms about living where I live is sitting on my on my oh, back really? porch and watching the fireworks. Yeah. So I tease about the Fourth of July party thing, but the truth of the matter is, my fireworks are as close as this light bulb is. You know. <laughs> I hear you about that. I will tell you, I got a lot of letters being an elected official about the fireworks that went off at Lake Ridge Golf Course. Um, and they were very well intentioned. It was on September 11th. It was to recognize mm. our heroes, people who have lost their lives, recognize mm-hmm. their veterans, recognize people that had um, amputations as a result mm. of being in war. Mm-hmm. And um, but they set off fireworks, and that freaked a lot of people out. Oh. I got a lot of calls, texts, emails about that because we are also in the middle of a huge fire danger. Yeah. And um, they had gotten a permit. The mm-hmm. fire department had a um, engine station nearby, mm. but people don't know that, right? Yeah, they right. see fireworks going off. Somebody's doing something they, they shouldn't be. They assume the worst. It's uh, kind of bizarre that they might call you before they would maybe call the fire department. Oh, no. It's not unusual <laughs> at all because I will tell you that we try to be accessible. Okay. And we've, we've got our name and our phone numbers out there. Sure. And I tend to answer my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be accessible and available to people. So I answer my phone. And and not only that, they're sending me messages on Facebook. They're sending me messages on, you know, on uh, email to the city. So, yeah. of course, I'm going to find out about it. See, and God bless you, because I've been a Renoan all my life. I was yeah. born in 1980 here in yeah. St. Mary's Hospital. And I know enough about Reno and the people here that I wouldn't want my number to be public to them. <laughs> yeah, I think we gave that up a long time ago when we got elected, to be honest <laughs> with you. But anyway, here's the meter, and it's in yellow. COVID risk meter or yep. covidmeter.org. You know, I'm trying to figure that out right oh, now. We're still going. We just got a new um, URL mm-hmm. to point mm-hmm. to that. And so I just say try both, but one of them's going to get you there. Yeah, yeah, probably it'll just go both. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Covidmeter.org. Cool. Yeah. COVID. So you can meter. find out. And again, this is to help you as an individual. Just it's just like uh, the fire danger meter. Is is it a red flag warning day? Well, I don't think you're setting a fire today, whether you're camping or you're going out with a vehicle, a truck, mm-hmm, backfire, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, potentially setting brush on fire. 
um, whether you are shooting guns, you know, target practicing, these are not the good days to go out. Mm -hmm. That's the same intent here. Yeah, it gives us at least a barometer to do that stuff. Correct, without having to personally say, well, let me look up the hospital data, Let me, which Mm -hmm. is, by the way, kept by one organization. Let me look up the uh, positivity rate kept by another organization. Oh, yeah. Let me look up uh-huh. the 100,000, you know, per 100,000 kept by a different. You're juggling them all for me. And let me look up some of these, and they're at state, not Washoe County level. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's just, I don't want to take up all the time, but I do want to just tell you it exists. Yeah. We're perfecting it. It's an imperfect tool right now, admittedly. It, but it's a great solution. It's a starting I, it's point. It's the start in the right direction. Well, and I got to tell you this. We've only found about 10 of these in the whole country. Mm. Less. And none of them have done it the way we've done it. Mm. And they're so impressed that UC Davis called us up and they, they want for their physicians at UC Davis uh, Medical Center, mm. they're having our Jeremy Smith, Dr. Smith, um, he is head of our Chucky Meadows Regional Planning Agency. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having him, they've asked him to give a talk. How fantastic. About how he developed it. They want to know more about it. And mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity for us to get the tool vetted yeah. by super smart people, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. Maybe they say, you know, this parameter you use, like people call them for tests, you should throw that out. Or maybe they say you should double, maybe give more weight to how mm-hmm. many people are sick. Yeah, and and I think when you start pooling the resources of, of the city of Reno mm-hmm. and and UC Davis, correct, uh, you're taking certainly more correct steps in the direction of right of at least finding some footing. I think that's the thing that everyone stays frustrated with is from one day to the next, you don't know which way you're going, but, but these are steps that give you some direction at least. Yeah. Right. So, and the thing about the COVID meter and it's, this is a good thing. It's a bad thing. So people are now used to the fact that if it's air quality, they, the air quality changes day by day and within the day. Mm. In the morning, it might be great. By yeah, afternoon, yeah. it's bad. Yeah, or that wind picks up in the, the wind end. wind picks up, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. In the morning, it's cool. By midday, it's warmer. By night, it's pretty cold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have cycles throughout the day. Mm-hmm. The COVID meter does not change that quick. It doesn't change on a day-by-day basis mm. because the data that's going into it does not change really on a day-by-day basis that much. Mm-hmm. It might change a little bit, but these are broad bands. So to go from a yellow to an orange or orange to a red takes something very significant happening. Mm-hmm. And it takes a period of time. So some of this data we only get on a weekly basis. So you, it won't even change. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. I think if it's in yellow, it's going to be in yellow for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, if something major happens, it's going to shift to orange. It's probably going to be in orange for a little while. It's mm-hmm. not like, let me go check every single day. Um, so that's something different about the meter and maybe it'll take people a little while to get used to that idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But it's okay. So it's like, you know, eventually these kinds of things turn into an app where you've got a ton of information all kind of put together in one spot. You are absolutely right. We have a website now and we're going to be developing an app. Exactly. So it shows up better on your phone Mm -hmm. and you get right the information that you want. Clickable, right? What you're looking for. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, we just invented it. So we're not there yet. It's okay. Some (laughs) beta has to happen. That's right. Well, okay. So I, I got, uh, I've got three yeah. rapid fire, okay. quick answer questions. You got we'll, it. we'll close it out with, and, and I'll, I'll make them fun. The first one, what is your favorite mineral, rock, stone, or okay. geology experience? Okay. Whoa. I would have to say my favorite rock just right off the bat is fluorite. It's fairly common, but mm-hmm. it's beautiful. 
And, you know, it's purple, it's green, it's white, it's oh, neat crystal. I like how your eyes light up when oh, you'd say it's beautiful. Yeah. I have other rocks. Like one time I was down in um, Tasmania, which mm-hmm. is an island next to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I went down in a deep mine, a half mile deep. And it was basically mining lead. And I was able to get a mineral down there called stibnite. Mm. And I have that super heavy, heavier than almost anything. So I've got that on my shelf too. It's cool. one of my most favorite experiences is going down a half mile beneath the earth uh-huh. and finding minerals down there. They're not looking for that. You know, it's a byproduct or side mineral. But, um, you know, for my family, it would have to be gold. Okay. Yeah. I mean, gold, yeah, you I mean, know. What are you going to do? And, you know, gold is a hedge. A lot of people get into gold when they're worried about things. What's the stock market doing? Or I'm uncertain. They tend to run to gold because they feel it's been around a long time. Mm. It's something you can hold in your hand. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you were. Looks good anywhere. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I'm sure if you ask my husband, favorite mineral, gold, without a question. Yeah. Copper. We're real, real poly. I love copper, too. I've got beautiful things made of copper. I love the color of copper. Um, I love what it can do, you know, and it's it's going to be staying with us for a while. I like know? it. I, so I what's your it. next one? Second one. Uh, we're, we're in a funny age where the Internet runs wild. With theories. Do you have any crazy COVID or non-COVID yeah. conspiracy theories that you just are entertained by? I uh, do not traffic in conspiracy theories. Uh, Being a bit of a scientist, I tend to be more analytical. Mm -hmm, If mm -hmm. I hear something, I usually go check it four or five different ways. It's just how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. I do not believe what I read. I I just don't. Um, Unless it's a person's personal experience. Uh And then even then, it's shaded by their experience and their personality. Mm -hmm. And I'll go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. But I'll tell you something universal on Facebook. Opposite of conspiracy theory. Uh Someone's parent or dog, pet, cat dies, that is a real experience. Yeah. And I got to tell you, when I see that, my heart goes out to them. I'm a real animal lover. Mm. And, uh, of course, family is incredibly important Mm -hmm. to all of us. But people, the thing is, animals die quicker than people. You know, they have a lifespan in the tens. And they break our hearts and they are devoted to you. You put so much into them. You're willing to spend a lot of money if you got it to keep them alive and healthy. And when they pass away and you have to make a decision, often with our relatives, we don't have to pull the plug. And I will tell you with my mom, I had to make that decision. Mm. She's on a ventilator. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very hard. My brother did it with me. But with your pet, your vet is telling you it is time. Mm. And I have bargained for more time. Can you just give me two more days? Mm -hmm. I just want two more days to love on my pet. But when I see that on Facebook, you know, I I find it heart wrenching. You know, time for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can appreciate that. I I I really have a soft spot for uh, animals. My pit bull is gonna just crush me that day. Right. Uh, My little cockapoo is gonna ruin my life when she goes. It's a horrifying day to even consider. I had a long-haired chihuahua, and I was so bonded. I found her out by the trash. I found all my animals virtually, but I found her out by the trash one day. What? Where's the parent? And I adopted her, and and, uh, she came into my life at a really important time. And um, when she had to go, you know, I my world imploded. I, I couldn't even go to work for a couple days. I sat on the floor and cried. I mean, this... You know, she needed me, I needed her, and we were bonded, and that's all there was to it. And I so can identify with people. And pets and animals are different too. Some 
get into your heart deeper than others. And mm-hmm. I think it matters when you find them. Mm-hmm. Um, someone gave me a cat. Mm-hmm. I'm a, turns out I'm allergic to cats. That cat lived 23 years. Whoa. So I had that cat with me 23 years. Wow. Through thick and thin, through school, through jobs, out in the field. Um, I took her out to the middle of Nevada desert with me. I took her everywhere. And she definitely had nine lives, right? Wow. Yeah. And, um, and yet she was nobody else's favorite cat. Okay. I had another cat only lived eight years and the day she died, you know, I was also inconsolable. Yeah. Again, I could not talk to people, go anywhere, do anything. She only lived eight years. She, again, I inherited her from, you know, found her in a wood pile behind my apartment, adopted her. And I, I don't understand how some animals get with you and some, you know, you're friendly with them, you love them, but some just get into your heart so deep. Mm. Uh, It's incredible. It's really true what you say. Uh, they have, you know, Frankie does this thing where she'll start wagging her tail this way and her head's going the yeah. opposite way. And she's just like, doing this number. Yeah. And she has these little tiny eyelashes that somehow like grow to be this <laughs> long when she's. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I fear yeah. the day that's the last yeah. day she's looking at me through. Them. Well, They're and so on that right. note, I will just say that the pet thing, I just want to say two things about it. One. Um, we could spend a whole nother time about this, but there are people that have no homes. And one of the reasons they're resistant to help, whether it's sheltering, um, temporary sheltering, or getting placed, is they have a pet, and they are unwilling to leave that pet. And so it's a, it's a mission of myself and the mayor to make sure that we have a shelter that allows pets, and that's what we're working on with the city of Reno. Maybe even a pet shelter. Well, could, you could board for a little bit. Well, uh, that pet shelter is probably, yes, exactly. Yeah. And then the other thing that we're working on is, um, and I've just helped a group stand this up. It's still underway. It's a group called Options. So a lot of people who don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. but they love their pets, they need a way to get lower cost health care for their pet. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to get the shots, the spain, and all of it. And so, again, it's called Options. And I'm, I'm sort of been adopting that um, charity recently because, again, pets are so integral to our life. Mm-hmm the quality of our life, and we want to do right by them. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have the money, you don't have the funds, you need a way to get that done. Amen. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Because that's a painful moment. I would not, you mentioned being able to afford, you know, everybody can relate to spending everything they got on on their pet, and sometimes it's not enough. Right. Uh, something available that just helps out even the smallest bit sometimes. Right. It buys you that extra day. We've got people in our community doing that right now. And, um, you know, if they get it rolling, then that's going to be something really special for our community. It's really a treat to see you in here while we do this because you have this nice sense of you get truly emotional about these <laughs> things you're talking about. I, it's you don't get through Facebook the authenticity of a city council person that cares about at least the things that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And to sit with you is just such a different experience. Wow. It's, thank it's you. It's been a true pleasure. today. Well, to everybody that's listening, I mean, I encourage people to come and meet with me. Um, either one-on-one or a group. These days it's on Zoom. But regardless, uh, they get a little taste of me, but I get to, better yet for me, I get to know them. And this has been a real pleasure for me, Brandon, getting to know you and your team oh, here in you. this kind of setting. He's a handsome kid, isn't he? Uh, very. It's, 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 they didn't make him like that back in my day. Almost as good as you. Oh, gosh, you stopped that. <laughs> 
Thank you very much, Councilwoman Naomi Dewar, for joining us here on RenoCast. And we look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, I hope to be back. There's so much going on in the city. You we live so in an amazing good. place. And uh, I love how everybody celebrates it. And that's what you're doing here with this show. And what a treat to, to share that knowledge with us so openly. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. You Anytime. have a great day All out right. there in the real world. Thank you so much. Bye.